My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Donna Cameron has spent her career working with nonprofit organizations and causes as an executive, consultant, trainer, and volunteer. When she committed to writing A Year of Living Kindly, she learned that it takes practice, patience, and understanding, and a sense of humor. The recipient of multiple writing awards, Donna's also published numerous articles in magazines nationwide. Good morning. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to On Books and People. Today, we are absolutely privileged to have as our guest, Donna Cameron. Donna, how are you? I'm great, Mark. How about you today? <laughs> I'm on this side of the grass. <laughs> I, I'm so old, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. Uh, See? It's all, it's all in your head. Well, I, yeah, it, it really is. And uh, a little of my heart, but mostly my head. So you and I have a common friend. We in do. Lo in Lola Franklin. She's one of my favorite people. I've known her for, gosh, more than 35 years. How did you two meet? Well, we're both in the same profession. Uh, so when I got into association management, nonprofit management, she was one of the first people I met. And she's just been a great friend and teacher and supporter and just a, a, a great spirit for all these years. Does and anyone, how about you? Well, does anyone have a bigger heart than her? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I'm trying to remember how many times she's hired me, probably five or six times, but in different capacities, because she, as you know, she moved around a fair bit. I think when I first met her, it was in, she was in Yakima. Mm -hmm. And then later, a few years later, she was in California. And now she's over in Tri-Cities. So yeah. she, she was the one who sent me your book. It just out of the blue, this book appears. And at first, Donna, I had to, I, a part of me, I've known Lola a long time, and I know her really well, probably not as well as you, but I thought, is she telling me I'm supposed to be kinder? <laughs> and then, then I thought, no, that's, that's not like her to do that. What she's saying, I think, is this is a great book that I think you really, really like. And it turns out that's exactly why she sent it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And I got to tell you, I have been uh, just, uh, I'm just going to warn the listeners, whatever you do, don't read this book. Because if you do, it's going to have a profound effect on your life. And you're going to find yourself being so much more kind than you ever were before. So Full disclosure there, I got it out of the way. <laughs> so how did you get started as a consultant? As a consultant? Yes. I mean, that's, you, you do, you do, you're a speaker, you do workshops, you work primarily in nonprofit. But so let me back up and ask a better question. How did you get started in association? That uh... Well, gosh, back in the 80s, I was looking for a job and a friend introduced me to uh, a gentleman named Lynn Melby, who eventually became my business partner. And we built an association management company together. And it was a, just a fabulous career working with um, 
nonprofit boards, trade and professional associations, philanthropic groups. Um, they shared the the nonprofit mission of of uh, being volunteers, and so that's really where I did see kindness in action. These people who devote time and energy and resources to something because they care about it, whether it's their profession or a particular cause. Uh, it's, it's inspiring. And I saw what that sort of commitment and kindness does, the difference it makes. So I think that sort of set me on the path. Uh, I was so privileged to work with, with boards for just about 35 years and uh, learn so much from them. And, you know, I was, as I've been going over your book, and I've been go going over very slowly, reading like one chapter every other day, and I've, I've just, I've been savoring it like cheesecake, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't eat a whole cheesecake in one, well, I can't, anyway, but I can have one small piece, and that's kind of how I've approached it. So, this book was published in September of 2018. Tell us, tell us how the how the genesis of it how did how did you come up with the idea and when did you start writing it well there's a, a long backstory uh, kindness has always been something that i've really aspired to and been impressed by and my my business partner who i mentioned lynn melby is one of the kindest people i've ever known uh, and over the years i just saw the difference between being nice and being kind and I believe I settled for nice most of my life. Mm. I know growing up, my mother told me to be nice, but she never said be kind. And I started to see that there really is a, a difference there. So I would set an intention of being kinder and um, sort of watch it fall by the wayside as business was busy and I was stressed and you know, it just seemed like something I didn't have time for. Um, so then in January of 2015, I really wanted to commit to kindness, not just to being kinder, but to understanding kindness. I'm very nerdy, Mark, and so I love doing research, and I had seen that there's a lot of new research about the benefits of kindness, how it changes our lives and changes our physiology. So I decided to blog about kindness, and I called it my blog, A Year of Living Kindly, and then I invited a few friends to follow the blog, thinking that that would hold my feet to the fire. It would make me more accountable, and I wouldn't just let it fade away when some other shiny thing got in, in my line of sight. And that really, for me, was all it took. Uh, so for a year, I blogged about kindness. And I realized quite early in the year that it wasn't something I wanted to commit to for one year, like you know, this is my year of kindness and next year I'm going to learn how to cook Italian food or right. play the oboe or something like that. Um, I realized very soon that this was the path I wanted to be on because it was really life-changing and, and deeply satisfying. And I saw that it was world-changing too. Uh, so it, I, I didn't start out with the intention of writing a book, even though I have been a a writer pretty much most of my life. And I had uh, written, co-written with another author, a book a few years, <coughs> excuse me, earlier. But it was the people who were following my blog who encouraged me 
as we got toward the end of 2015, one, they encouraged me to continue blogging and not just make it a one-year uh, venture. And then they said, Donna, why don't you make this a book? Uh, and it just seemed so obvious to me that, yes, that's what I really wanted to do. Uh, one of the things that made me hesitate, Mark, was when I, I had talked to some agents and some editors as I was exploring doing this, and they kept referring to it as a self-help book. And I have to tell you, I'm not a big fan of self-help books. Um, there are some wonderful ones, and I have some on my shelves that, that are just fabulous, and, and I think the world of them. But there are a lot of self-help books out there that my perception, at least, is that the author has found the path that works for them. And their message is, if you do exactly what I did you will find enlightenment, peace, joy, love, happiness, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really want to approach this as the kindness expert because I don't think that's what I am. Um, I, I wanted to approach this as someone who wanted to live a kinder life. And this is the book I would have liked as a companion as I was doing it. And I hope readers will look at it and say, oh, I love these ideas. These really fit for me. This is where I am in my life right now. But this stuff over here, not so much. Maybe I'll look at that later and maybe that will be more relevant to me later. But I, I didn't want anybody to feel like I was saying, this is what you have to do if you want to be kind or if you want to be happy. Right. Reminds me of that George Carlin bit. A guy walks into the bookstore and says, can you tell me where the self-help section is? He says, well, that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, lo I love that bit. So the, the book is filled with unbelievable quotes. It's clearly incredibly well-researched. You quote so many books throughout, throughout your book. Uh, but I think the thing that I'd like the most was the humanity and the humility in many of your first person stories. It, it really comes out of your experience of, because you're really not saying, you know, here's what I do because I'm just so kind. It's it, more, it's like, here's the mistakes I made, right? And yeah. you don't want to do this, right? Or, or and the other thing was the observations of other people that you observed uh, and, my personal observation is men have less empathy than women. And I, you know, I learned that the hard way traveling. Women are just naturally more kind. But I was struck by the, the quantity and quality of the first person illustrations. Was that by design or is this just kind of a natural way you write? Um, well, I think I, I like to think of myself as something of a storyteller. So, and mm. I think I learn best from stories rather than people just telling me straight, you know, this is what you should do or here are the steps. So I, yes. I find stories really illuminating. Uh, well, they're sticky, aren't they? Well, they are sticky. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we learn best from, from our failures. So there were times when, um, maybe I had an opportunity to extend a kindness and I passed because I felt, you know, I felt vulnerable or, or um, I thought it, it, you know, there was too much of a risk or something like that. But, you know, the next time maybe I did 
I did extend the kindness and, and felt the difference. Uh, what I didn't want to do was have it be a book about, um, gee, see what I did today, isn't that kind? Uh, I wanted it to be about the lessons I was learning. I think as a really, really kind person, someone who is so naturally kind that it just always comes to them naturally, they wouldn't write a book about kindness because it's, <laughs> you know, it's like a fish talking about water. It's, it's how they live. I, I think it's those of us who, who struggle with something or who really want to deep dive into something and understand it more clearly, who, who would take the time to write a book on that subject. Right. Well, and you said it earlier, there's a huge difference between being nice and being kind. Mm -hmm. um, I was always nice when it served me. <laughs> it, it, if you were someone that could help me, you know, move along my journey and my path and reach my goals, then I would be nice to you. But if, but if you weren't, then maybe I wasn't so nice. And, yeah. and, and, and I discovered it. And, you know, my mom was that way a lot. I'm not, she, I loved her. She did a wonderful job as a mother, but, but I noticed growing up that she would be nice to certain people and then not so nice to others. And, and I learned, you know, I came by it honestly, right? By right. able example. But yep. being kindness is more a function of who you are as a human being. And I think of, uh, and you mentioned him in the book, but I think of Mr. Rogers, you know, Fred <laughs> Rogers. Mm -hmm. And the, the phrase radical kindness. Could you expound on that a little bit? Well, I think that's when we are willing to enter the unknown to be, to, to live our kindness. It's one of the biggest ahas for me was recognizing the courage it takes to move from being mm. a nice person to a kind person, because there really is a, an element of risk. Uh, we might be misunderstood. We might have our kindness rejected, or we might somehow embarrass ourselves. We might do it wrong. We might look really clumsy. So all of those things are risks that we have to be willing to take if we want to extend kindness. And I think that's where, that's where niceness stops. Um, we do what's safe. We do what's polite. We do what's expected of us, but we really don't go beyond that. Uh, so I think radical kindness is being willing to take that risk and trust that you're going to make a difference and uh, and your kindness will influence somebody else to to extend a kindness who then will in turn influence somebody else and it really does uh, ripple out in ways we don't we'll never know how far a, a simple kindness reaches and when i talk about kindness i'm not talking about the huge things you know you don't need to endow a hospital wing or or do some enormous thing uh, it's the small things that we do each day or we don't do um, as simple as a thank you note or a heartfelt yeah. measure of appreciation for someone's efforts exactly most kindnesses like that they're really easy to do but you know what they're also really easy not to do because right. it's still kind of puny and it's like, well, what difference will this make? I think when we start doing it, we see that they make a huge difference. Simple, not easy. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm always amazed at the, the impact that a postcard or a handwritten note has. I sent, uh, I did a little experiment one year where I sent out like three or four a day. 
And um, I do work with a company in Texas that's a very successful mechanical contract. They're like a $700 million company. But I was working with the, with the uh, Houston branch and the, the general manager's name is Nikki. And her assistant's name uh, is Debbie. And, and Debbie walks into Nikki's office one day and sees my postcard on her, on her inbox. And she goes, a postcard? You know, because it's like from Fargo or wherever I was at the time. And she turns it over. She goes, Mark Madison. And she starts hitting her boss with my postcard. <laughs> I told you we need to bring him back. Right. And the next thing I know, Nikki calls and says, listen, my assistant won't quit bugging me. Uh, you know, when, when are you available to come back? And all I, all I could think of was I just did the postcard because I thought it'd be a, a neat thing to do. It wasn't really a business strategy as much as it was a, a sincere reflection of my gratitude for the work that we did because I learned so much from them. And those are the kinds of things you talk about. It's true. Uh, you know, you're telling the story reminded me of, of something that I had almost forgotten. Uh, I worked with a publicist uh, firm for a couple of months when the book was coming out. And one day I got um, something in the mail that they were going to send me and there was a little post-it note on it and it was just a scribbled note from the the guy in their mail room his name was Ben and he said he had been intrigued by my book so he had read it and he wanted to thank me because he found it really changed his life and it changed the way he interacted with people and I thought to myself you know Ben didn't there was no reason why Ben had to write this post-it note but he he wrote this sweet little note stuck it on a post-it note and put it in an envelope with some business cards they were sending me and it i still have it it's here right by my desk yeah we don't uh, throw it away yeah, yeah it just it changed things and i i then wrote back to ben and told him what a difference his his sending me that post-it note made and he said He'd, it never occurred to him that um, that I would have been been so touched by it. So we don't we don't think about how our little kindnesses really do affect people. There's a word. Maybe it's not a word as much as it is a sound that women make that men don't. It's called aww. <laughs> now I think it's spelled a w w w dot dot dot, but I could be wrong. But that's really what what you were saying when you got that note. And it's what I say every time somebody sends me a handwritten note or an email or a text yeah. saying your book changed my life. Because I've received a lot of them over the years and it's, uh, it's not why I did it. It's just a lovely fringe benefit of having written something that people think is important. Well, it is. Yeah. And it reminds us that we're all connected and that sometimes just doing something that will help a person remember the connections between people is sometimes the most important thing we can do. I know. So, so I do this, oh, I've talked about this before, but I, when my mom was sick with cancer, I wrote her a, a letter, 10 great things I got from you. Mm. And the first one was because she was British. I wrote, uh, you make a great cup of tea. <laughs> and number 10 was, did I mention the tea love? Right. <laughs> And then in between, it was woman of letters, voracious reader of books, and so on. And I mailed it to her. And a week later, she called and she goes, Mark, it's mom. I said, hey, mom, what's up? 
Received your letter, parcel post. It was lovely, brilliant. I've shown it to all my friends. It made me cry, love. I made my mom cry. Uh, I made her cry a lot when I was a kid, but not tears of joy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay? I'm sure she treasured that. Oh, and I've since written that same letter to my family, you know, my kids and my wife and all my mentors, because it's such a simple thing to do. It's not easy, but it's, it's a simple thing to do, to, to express the specific qualities and the specific things that you admire about someone. And in a very real sense, what you're really saying is I'm validating, you know, your life. These are the things that had an impact on me. And I think as authors, we have, you know, that happens to us a fair amount. Um, you, you mentioned blogging. Uh, can you kind of walk us through, because for aspiring authors and writers, can you walk us through the process of writing from soup to nuts? Of writing a blog? No, the oh. book. Oh. So, so for me, when I'm writing a book, it's, it's three pages or one hour, whichever comes first, every day until it's done. It's real simple because I do lots of other things. It's just one that's the one thing I do. Can you define or describe your process? Well, for me, a lot of it ahead of time is organization, uh, trying to figure out exactly what I want to say and how I want to say it, and then um, organizing my thoughts, uh, writing them, editing, and then asking, did I say what I meant to say? Uh, so it's it's you know, there's a simplicity to it. Uh, with this particular book, uh, one of the, the approaches, as you mentioned, there are 52 chapters. So it, you know, they could be read one a week or one a day or however, but I, I really needed to decide what builds on what, where do you start and right. um, how to lead up to, to, um, you know, the different, each, piece sort of led into the next and uh, do I want to talk how much do I want to talk about uh, dealing with unpleasant people or unkind right. people and how much do I want to talk about self-care or or our cyber voices or some of the skills uh, for me writing is just pure fun uh, and I don't set goals like today I'll do this much I usually write in the morning and um, just get lost in it and, and then suddenly it's lunchtime. <laughs> There's a book called Ikigai. I don't know if you've read it. No. It's the art of living uh, a long time and it is the profile of the, of the people who live in Okinawa and the Japanese philosophy of, of following your bliss. And they talk about being in the zone or the flow. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're talking about is yeah, you're in that flow. All of a sudden it's noon. Wait a minute. You started at eight and you look up and you four hours have gone by and you go, holy cow. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're a, you're a flow person. I'm a flow person. And one, I bet you've experienced this too, Mark, but sometimes I will write and then the next day or whenever I'll go back and read it and I'll think, wow, I didn't know I knew that. Uh, I, I, I surprised myself in that I write something that I don't know where it came from, or I'm surprised that I put it that way. Um, so there's this element of surprise in writing for me all the time in, 
discovering how I put the words together and how they come out. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's not pleasing, but often I, uh, it's a terrible thing to say, but often I delight myself. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, every once in a while you, something appears and you go, wow, did I write that? Or did I say that? Yeah. I'll have somebody tell me something that I said and I go, wow, that sounds pretty cool. I really said that. Yeah. Said, yeah. So let me ask you this. Could you have written this book 25 years ago? Oh, no. No, not, not possible. No. Right? No. Because it's so much of it is your experience. Exactly. Yeah, it was, um, it, it took this long to be able to ask the right questions and to be willing to um, honestly look at myself and see where, where I was falling short or where I wasn't uh, being my best self. So it's the product of, of many, many years, even though the, the actual writing of the book came in maybe six months. How many times did you edit it? Oh, <sighs> well, I, I'm one of those writers who edits as she goes along. So it's hard to count that. But in terms of once the book was done and then going back and editing it uh probably two or three and then i worked with um an editor at my publishers at my publishing house who who you know made sure that it met all the chicago style standards and all of those things and she had some wonderful suggestions too plus uh there was a a lovely woman nancy who was um, one of my blog followers and when I mentioned that yeah maybe I think I will make this a book she volunteered to be my beta reader and she uh, is a technical writer in Michigan I've never met her in person yet uh, but she did a fabulous job as a beta reader and gave me some wonderful suggestions and asked me just the right question in terms of you know have I delved deeply enough into this uh, so I'm so grateful to, to her for her, her um, input on this book. I send it to about 10 people that I respect. And usually seven or eight of them will do, will, they're not editing, they're just, I want their opinion. Yeah. So you call it beta. I like that. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, I had one gentleman actually say, hey, I'll edit the whole thing for you. And he, he'd, he'd written like 20 books. And I said, why would you do that? He goes, oh, that's really fun. I just love doing that. <laughs> I was like, I got to hang around this guy more often. Yeah. So what advice would you offer somebody who wants to write a book? Would you suggest that they start blogging or just sit down and do what I do, write a page, you know, three pages or one hour, whichever comes first? Well, I, I, I don't think there's one right way to do it. And it depends a lot on what sort of a book you want to write. If it's fiction, I don't think you really want to blog your book. Um, but if it's nonfiction, blogging is an option. Uh, one of the things I learned though, and I, uh, I don't know if this is still the case, but a lot of publishers don't want material that's already been out there. Um, I had a couple of publishers say, you know, I know, I know you're not just taking the blog and then dropping it into the book. Uh, I totally rewrote it and added a lot and, and you know, changed everything. But uh, they have some concerns about material that's already been seen. And certainly a lot of the ideas that I explored 
did appear first in in the the blog. I think that's changing because so many people now uh, blog and and then turn it into books. So oh, I uh, think at that's, least you're right. At least yeah. seven of my eBooks are that way. Yeah. So I think that that was an old fashioned response, but it's something that you know is worth thinking about, depending on which publisher you want to go to. Um, I think your way of of you know setting a certain amount of time each day to work on it is is great probably the important thing is really knowing where you want to go when you start and not just saying oh i've got this cool idea i'm going to sit down and write a book and then after that initial energy has been expended not really knowing how to take the next steps or where to go next yeah. so I, i'm a real fan of spending some time pondering how you want this to look and what you want to include and uh you know doing where are you gonna go yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. why is kindness so impactful uh, you uh, you mentioned in the book and you you cite some very specific medical examples from a doctor about how kindness impacts positively your health could you expand on that just a little bit? Well, it does. And that was one of my big ahas too. Um, when I started seeing that there's been a lot of research, I saw that there are um, big universities and hospitals and uh, professors that have researched it. And uh, kindness is good for our heart. It's good for our blood pressure. It um, when we experience kindness, it, our body makes the hormone oxytocin, which lowers our blood pressure and it reduces inflammation and um, helps reduce pain. It deals with chronic pain. Uh, there are all sorts of health benefits to being kind. Uh, one of them that I found really fascinating, it's not necessarily a physical health, but certainly mental health, is that... Um, kindness reduces social anxiety so for people who are you know extremely shy or um, you know even have a, a, a sort of morbid social anxiety fear of, of, of going out and dealing with crowds uh, if they focus on kindness it's e easier to overcome that uh, if it, they approach something by saying I'm gonna look for the kindness here both kindnesses that I can extend or kindnesses that people may be extending my way or even just kindness between other people that I'm not um, part of uh, it alleviates that social anxiety hmm. well before we run out of time I want to make sure I ask the last couple of questions uh, is it available on audible or CD yet Yes, it is. There's an audio version that Tant4 put out. I think it came out in July. Uh, so that's available. Um, it's, how, do, how does someone get that? Uh, just go online and search for A Year of Living Kindly audio version, and it'll bring up different sites that sell it. I think you can buy it direct from Tantor. I'm sure it's on Amazon as well. And, and uh, I think other bookstores are also selling selling the um, the audio version as well as the print and ebook version so if i want the if i want the book or the ebook just go on amazon is that what you're saying um or can i go to your website uh, no i no i don't really i have links on my website to different source uh different um, bookstores and sources and you can certainly go on amazon 
I really like to encourage going through indie bookstores because they're suffering so much right now. So it's yes. not that I don't want people to buy the book through Amazon because I understand how easy that is. But uh, our indie bookstores are really hurting. So anybody who, who has concerns about being able to have a, a great community bookstore might want to go through them. And most of them are, if they're not open yet, they are still filling orders uh, and then mailing them or, or having them for pickup. See, that's a kind thing to say. <laughs> I'm sure the Amazon <laughs> people aren't thrilled, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're doing fine. They don't yeah, need they're probably help. doing okay. Uh, do you, how does somebody contact you if they wanted you to speak? Because I know you do keynotes and I know you do workshops and you facilitate discussions on this. Yeah. How do they contact you for that? Um, well, I have a website and there's a contact page, so you can contact me through that. And then I also have a email, which is DonnaCameron100 at gmail.com. So you're more than welcome to contact me there. I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. So um, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. That's what I tell I had a friend say, ah, I tried to get a hold of you. And I thought, okay, hold on. How, how did that happen? Uh, if you type in my name into Google, the first 11 things that come up is all me. How did, how did you not? <laughs> I'm not in the yellow pages, so maybe that was his problem. I don't know. Uh, parting comment, because we're almost out of time. What uh, single piece of advice would you offer our listeners about uh, being more kind? I would say start where you are and don't worry about the fact that you're not going to be Mother Teresa or the Dalai Lama. Just try to think about how to put 5% or 10% more kindness into your day and um, see what a difference that makes and then add another 5 or 10%. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, think about those mi micro kindnesses we can, mm. we can offer throughout the day, whether that's well, I was going to say smiling at the cashier, but behind our masks these days, uh, that may not be visible. But allowing a car to merge on the highway or mm -hmm. holding a door for someone, all those things seem so small, but they really do make a difference. And then if I can add one other thing, be kind to yourself, because it really does start there. If we, if we aren't kind to ourselves, we don't have the wherewithal to be kind to others. I'm the kind of guy I'd like to spend the rest of my life with, so I may as well be good to me. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. Right? Yes. Well, I hope our listeners make the time to order your book, read your blog, and contact you. Donna, thank you so much for making the time. Thank uh, you, Mark. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was fun. You're a good listener. This won't be the last time we talk, I'm sure. I hope so. Well, we're, we live only uh, miles apart, I discovered, I so uh, I I'm know, sure our crazy. paths will cross. Well, make it a great day unless you have other plans. Sounds good. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 
1-800-242-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.